So this morning, it is Valentine's Day weekend. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Hooray. I'll be going to the store Tuesday morning and cleaning up on candy sales. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you might think, oh, pastor's going to preach a typical message from like 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is. Surprise, I'm not. That's actually next week. So come next week for that. But I am going to preach a message that has love as the focus of it. When you think of love, what comes to your mind? I mean, marriage, romance, of course, Valentine's Day, and here's everybody's favorite, Hallmark movies. And I have a theory about Hallmark movies, and my wife is probably going to kill me for this. Um, Hallmark movies can be summed up in the last three minutes. I call it the three-minute magic. They're all the same. They all start the same way. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, and they don't necessarily like each other. And it's usually in a small town. One of them is from the big city, and they're an outsider. They meet each other. They're interested, but not quite. And then they fall in love, and they're moving forward, and all of a sudden something catastrophic happens that's like there to test their love and be, like break them apart. And then right when you think all else has failed, this three-minute countdown begins. They fall in love with each other again, say I'm sorry, make up, live happily ever after. Congratulations, you can watch every Hallmark movie now in the last three minutes and know the whole premise of the story. But these are typical responses to love. Hallmark and the world, they kind of have put love into a box. And I'm sure we could come up with some other examples that would fit into this category of love as well. So this morning and for the rest of the month of February, we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say and how it defines love. Because believe it or not, it's in there quite a bit. And it's shown in many different ways. All throughout Scripture, there's different mentions of love. I mean, right from the beginning of the Old Testament, right through to the end of Revelation, believe it or not, the love of God is shown in one way or another. We also learn through Scripture what it means to love one another. We also learn what it means for a husband and a wife to love one another. When it comes to God's love, we know this. We know that His love is powerful, it is unending, and it is unconditional. So, uh, the Song of Solomon 8-7 tells us, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. God's love, no matter what, is not going to be able to be quenched. Nothing is going to be able to overtake it, no matter how hard the world and society tries. So this morning, I want us to begin our study of love for this month by looking at John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. And we read here together, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in these two verses here, Jesus is giving his disciples a new commandment, which is to love one another. Now hold on, Pastor. That's not a new commandment. You're right. It's not. But he's adding something to it. He's adding this new context to it of love one another just as I have loved you. And before we dive into that, 
it's important that we take a moment here to establish, well, what in the world is love? Because this is a very, it's a big word that can be taken in many different contexts. So first, by definition, love is an intense feeling of deep affection. Some of us can relate to that. I love my wife. I have an intense feeling of deep affection. I love my children. I have an intense feeling of deep affection. Different than what my love for my wife is, but still love. I love God. Same thing, different context than how I love my wife and children, but I love God. What do you love? What do you have an intense feeling of deep affection for? For Christians, it makes sense that our love for Christ would fall under this definition. Now the Bible, it makes mention of four different types of love. And I've probably mentioned these over and over before, but it's worth going through them again. The first one, and bear with me as we go through these Greek words, it's been quite a while. Um, Storge love, which means empathetic love. Phileo love, brotherly love, the love that we show towards one another, friends, family, acquaintances. Eros love, romantic love, the love that God says is to be experienced in the confines of marriage, which we know the Bible defines as between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman. There's no other exception to that. And then agape love, this is the big one, unconditional love. And this is the one that shows up quite frequently in the New Testament. It's shown through God's love. It's shown through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And this is the one that we are called to have amongst all the others to show towards those around us. When somebody hears that we're a Christian, we should be known for our love that influences others around us. And your love must be willing to sacrifice and follow Christ. Oof. Your love for others, it's the strongest argument for your faith in Christ. If you're not showing love, people are going to be hard-pressed to believe that you're a Christian. If you say, I'm a Christian, but you cannot show love towards them, they're going to be like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be extending love? Aren't you supposed to be emanating the love of Christ? We must be known by our Christ-like love for others because as followers of Christ, here's the deal, we cannot opt out of it. We are commanded to love one another. The other thing is, love fulfills the law. According to Romans 13, 8-10, and Galatians 5, 14, Galatians tells us, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember something. God himself showed love towards us. He showed us that his love is a couple things. That it's sacrificial, it's unconditional, it's merciful, and it's steadfast. And how did he show this to us? Well, by sending his one and only son to die on the cross in our place so that we can have the opportunity to spend eternity with him. That is quite the act of love. He is not asking us to show love in any way that he has not already shown it. God has loved us even when we truly didn't deserve it. 
So then we need to extend it to others. Think about that for a minute. There's those of us here this morning that our story of when we found God and accepted Him, it's messy. And it's not good. Where we were at, it's not good. But God still reached down and said, I love you anyway. So therefore, when we accept Christ, we need to be able to look at people and say, you know what? I get it. I get where you're coming from. I was there at one point. I may have even been lower than that at one point, and God still showed me love, so I need to extend you love. Jesus himself makes it very clear to us that there are two commands that are greater than the rest. We find this in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 33. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So there's the first one. Love the Lord your God with everything. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So now, think about it for a minute. Like I said, Loving one another, it's not a new commandment. We've been told to love one another since the beginning of the Bible, since back when Moses was alive. Moses was telling his people to love one another. So this morning I want to dive into the heart of what John 13, 34 through 35 tells us and what this new commandment that Jesus is giving the disciples is all about. Now remember, for the disciples, it's not a new concept of loving one another, but what Jesus adds on to it, this is new to them. So we first need to understand that verse 34 is talking about a new kind of love towards one another. And that verse tells us a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. There's always been a command to love one another. Now this is a very difficult task as human beings. We're told to love one another like love our neighbor as ourself. Think about it. As human beings, we have a tendency to kind of want to look out for our own self, worry about, and like worry about what's good for us. So now we're being asked to love our neighbor as ourself. This command goes all the way back into Leviticus. Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was definitely not something new for the disciples. There were several occasions that Jesus makes mention of the importance of loving one another. However, this concept being introduced to love as he loved them, that was a little bit new to them. This is a sacrificial, a forgiving, a confronting type of love. This motive that has been added to it, that is what is new now. Jesus had set the example for his disciples. And he was not expecting them to do anything that he himself had not already done. He's not telling them to go love people in a way that he has not already shown them. So if we're called to love one another like Christ loved us, it would be beneficial now for us to look at, well, what are the different aspects of Christ's love? The first one, and probably the most important, his love was a sacrificial love. 
Ephesians 5.2, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Hebrews 9.26, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So now, Christ, in this scripture, he had just demonstrated what sacrificial love was for the disciples. So they should have fully understood what he meant when he tells them to love one another just as I have loved you. I mean, quite honestly, he could have looked at them and said, love as I have just shown you this evening. What do I mean by that? Well, let's go back to the beginning of chapter 13. They were all gathered together to have dinner. And Jesus was hosting them. Now, back in those days, it was customary for the host, when you had people over for dinner, it was customary for you to have one of your servants go around to everybody that was there with a basin of water and a cloth and wash their feet. Now, don't worry. We're not about to have a feet washing service. Don't worry. Like, just take a breath. But it was customary for them to do that. Why? Well, in those days, they did not have sneakers. They did not have steel toe boots. Some of them may have been walking around barefoot. Most of them were probably wearing sandals or something like that. So their feet were exposed to the dirt roads covered in everything from dirt and you, like you name it. So their feet were not exactly the most pleasant when they came in. So a servant would wash their feet. Well, on this occasion, Jesus himself took the basin of water and the cloth and went to each one of his disciples and got down on his knees and washed their feet. As a sign of his love for them, he humbled himself to that, to wash their feet. And then later we know that Christ then gave himself as a sacrifice for mankind. He sacrificed his life by dying for us on a cross. But he also gave his entire life on earth to serve. Think about that for a minute. The king of kings came to serve when in reality he should have been being served. But he came to serve us. The meaning of the word Love, or agape love, used in verse 34, is a self-sacrificing love. Giving of oneself. Christ gave himself for us. He sacrificed all glory, all honor, all dignity, to die a criminal's death on the cross. He even died for the people that hate his name and despise him. Let that sink in for a minute. He died for everyone. He died for all of us. He did not go to the cross and look at the guards and say, hold on a second, I need to make something clear. I'm only dying for X, Y, and Z. Forget about A, B, and C. You're not worth it. No. He went to that cross and said, I'm dying for everyone. Everyone that is here, everyone that is to come for generations until I come for my church. He did not make exceptions. So then here's the deal, and this is the big thing that I want to really drive home this morning. Our Lord and Savior has commanded us to love one another just as He has loved us. There are no exceptions to this command. 
None. Don't even try to find them because there are none. It is so easy to love yourself. It's even easy to love people that love you, right? The people that show you love, well, yeah, you're going to love them back. Well, here's a question. What do you do for the person that's annoying or pestering to you? Is your love constantly sacrificing for them? Do you sacrifice your time to Christ? What I mean by that, you should be willing to sacrifice your time for the kingdom of God, serving the church. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to give up the things of the world and sacrifice your life to Christ? Because here's the deal. It's amazing how quickly people will shift things around in their life and move heaven and earth to accommodate things into their schedule. But when it comes to God, they have this tendency to say, okay, Lord, hang on a second. You go here and stay there. Sundays, and that's it. Sunday and Wednesday, that's it. That's the box you stay in. I got news for you. God doesn't fit in a box. You can't fit him into your, you can't squeeze him into a schedule. Love isn't giving when others are giving. It's giving when others are not giving. You must be known by your Christ-like love for others. The second aspect of Christ's love, it's a forgiving love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 tells us, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This love is to be forgiving as Christ forgave us of our sins. He gave us unmerited forgiveness. We didn't deserve any forgiveness. But his love went so far that it reached down to sinful, undeserving us and gave us the ability to have forgiveness of all of our sins. Nothing is too great for Christ to forgive, so then nothing is too great for us to forgive. God forgave us from our sin and rebellion, with love like Christ, we can forgive others as well. You must be known by your Christ-like love for others. As Christians, we're not called to cast judgment, but to extend love and forgiveness as Christ did. And this came to me this week as I was typing this. The church is not a courtroom where judgment is cast. The church is a safe haven for the lost to experience the love of Christ. I pray that day in and day out over this church, that if people walk through that door, no matter where they're at in life, I don't care if they're deep in the throngs of alcoholism, dealing with drugs, dealing with depression, dealing with getting pregnant outside of being married by accident, that they still are loved and they still deserve the sacrificial and forgiving love of Christ, not just from God, but to be extended from those of us that are within these four walls. That is how the kingdom of God moves forward, is when we extend that love to those that otherwise would not be loved. And unfortunately, there are churches today that if somebody were to walk in like that, they would immediately look at them and say, you don't belong here. 
What are you doing here? And that's not right. The church is a place to where the lost need to come to feel safe. The ability to just be broken and allow God to build them back up. And the only way that's going to happen is when we as followers of Christ are then willing to surround them and say, you know what? Yeah, what you did is pretty bad. And you're at a pretty bad spot. But guess what? God loves you. He sacrificed his son for you. And he forgives you. Even when you don't feel like you're forgiven. Now don't get me wrong when I say it's a big task to love one another like Christ loved us. Because it is. That's a big task. Remember something. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to extend the love to those around us. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we would not be able to forgive and to help them move past it. We would not be able to not cast judgment. The Holy Spirit allows us to be able to be softened and welcome them and work alongside them. Let's look at verse 35 to get a better understanding now of what the outcome is of loving one another like Christ loved us. So we have this new kind of love and some aspects of it. Well, this new kind of love, it needs to be a visible kind of love. And it needs to be seen by all. Verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Genuine, deep-seated, constant, and self-sacrificing love for one another is the distinguishing trait of the Christian. This love is an overflow of what God has done in our heart. It's to be that distinguishing mark of Christ's followers. To the point, when you accept God, God's love is given to you. And wherever you're at in your life, it's so overwhelming. And it's this wonderful feeling that the only thing you can do is then take that love and you want to share it. Be like, you're never going to believe what happened to me. Right when I thought all else was lost, I met God. So guess what? You may think all else is lost, but let me tell you who God is. And then through that out pouring and that overflowing of love from our lives hopefully the seed is planted in someone else's life and then through the power of the holy spirit they experience that life-changing love of god jesus uses the example of a tree and its fruit to explain the idea of how you'll be able to tell a good person from a bad person by their words and actions luke 6 43 to 45 tells us for no good tree bears bad fruit nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Here's the deal when it comes to Christ's love. We're making the point that it needs to be seen by all. Christ, Christ-like love can never be a hidden or secret thing. It must be seen by all and felt by all. So here's a question for you. If someone followed you around all the time, would they say that your, love is, that your life is consumed by love, Christ-like love? Would it be evident that your tree is bearing good fruit? Well, guess what? Somebody is following you, you around each and every day. Guess who that is? It's the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit's right there with you. And the Holy Spirit will be quick to remind you of, hey, that's not Christ-like. That's not loving. What fruit are you trying to produce here? The love that you show or don't show is the evidence of you being a Christian. For some of us, we would never be able to prove that we're guilty of loving others. It just flows out of us so much that there's no way somebody can say, well, that person doesn't love other people like Christ does. They're just, I mean, they're just bubbling and they're loving on everybody. The second kind of love here, it needs to be felt by all. Christ himself was constantly showing compassion to others. In the Gospels alone, there are 13 records of Christ showing compassion on the people around him. He knew that people needed a Savior. Now, there's no possible way to show compassion as Christ did exactly, but we must strive to do the best that we can. We must strive to work towards that. We're to be filled and moved with compassion towards others. True Christ-like love touches other lives. So the question is, does your life impact others? Can you honestly say that since you have love, others know that you are a Christian? Does your family know? Do your unsaved friends know that you're a Christian? Is it evident to them? Your coworkers? Is it evident to them? If the answer is no, well then something's got to change. You must be known by your Christ-like love for others. Now this also goes for, for us as a church. As a church, we need to be showing love towards everyone that walks through the door, not just the people we're comfortable with and, and familiar with seeing week to week. And that goes for even being out in the grocery store. I used to have the hardest time in conversing with people out in public, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it. And it goes a long way. It's amazing when you just look at somebody and say, you have a great day. Or, I'll be praying for you. And the look that you get, they're like, well, what? Just in that moment, you get them, like, you get them thinking. And you've shown, because for all you know, the person that was before you could have just totally lit them up one side and down the other for something completely ridiculous. And then you come behind and show love. Make it a habit to after something like that happens, if you see that and you're in, next in line, look at that person and be like, I hope your day gets better from here. Don't let that one person ruin the rest of your day. By you showing that care and that Christ-like love, it's going to go a long way for you. Now that person, you may, not w- they, you may not win them to Christ in that moment, but for all you know, that could be a very integral part of their journey with Christ. At this point, it's worth repeating what I said a few moments ago. Our Lord and Savior has commanded us to love one another just as He loved us. No exceptions. Your love for Christ must be Christ-like. I'm sorry, your love for others must be Christ-like. To be known as Christ's disciple, you must have Christ-like love. Love not just as you love yourself, but as Christ loved you. Because here's the deal. When it comes to arguments for your faith, your love for others is the strongest argument that you have. You must be known by your love for Christ and your Christ-like love for others. Mike, if you want to come up and get ready. This morning as I close, I want to address two groups of people. And you may be here 
or you may watch later um, online. If you are feeling after hearing this message, the Holy Spirit really speaking to you, saying, hey, now's the time. Take that step of faith that you've been meaning to take to experience the love of God. Invite Christ into your life. It's time. No more running. I encourage you. Let me pray with you here in just a moment. Or find somebody to talk to and find somebody to pray with. The second group of people this morning, it's for those, you've been walking with Christ for some time, and you can honestly say, Pastor, I understand what it means to love others like Christ loved me. But something's changed recently, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I'm having a hard time showing love like that to certain individuals. I find myself avoiding them, or I find myself wanting to cast judgment on them. I want to encourage you as well. Take time this morning. Get alone with God and ask Him for forgiveness. Be like, Lord, I know how to love like your son did. Something's just getting in the way. Help me. Help me moving forward to be able to emanate that love again. None of us are perfect. That's the bottom line. We are not perfect. But we need to be intentional in showing love towards others just like Christ showed us. Because remember, our Lord and Savior commanded us to love one another just as He loved us. No exceptions.